0: The free-for-all roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Vaughan, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
0: Round one.
1: On round one, let's say good morning to Jerry Agar's live in studio. Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Independent MP for Spadina Fort York, Kevin Vong, is here as well. Um, let's start, actually, with... Uh, it seems like there's not a single thing that we're not going to try to upload to the provincial government. And Jerry Yeager, after a while, you wonder when this becomes sustainable, if ever. Looks like the provincial government, MetroLink's, will finish off the construction of the Finch Line and the Eglinton Crosstown, inshallah. And then the province may actually have to run it without turning it over to the TTC, which is the current plan.
2: So this wasn't something I thought about ahead of time? Well, it's just we ran out of money, apparently. I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I heard you and Tim Hudak talking about uploading earlier this morning, but wasn't there a lot of downloading over the years from the province? There
1: was and has been, and there's been a lot of downloading from the feds as well. Okay. Well, maybe at some point, municipalities have to say, well, back to you. I guess so. But I don't know, you know, Kevin Vong, I don't know how this is going to work, especially if you consider that that would mean the TTC is running lines that intersect with lines that are run by the province, and some of the stations, I guess, are a shared jurisdiction. It doesn't really add up.
3: But isn't that the vision for PrestoCard uh, in the first place? Everything's supposed to seamlessly integrate. And while we're on the topic of, of downloading, you know, the City of Toronto is the only municipality in Ontario that actually has to pay for the highway, uh, both the DVP and the Gartner, so I, I think it's about time that that gets upgraded or uploaded back to the
1: province. Okay, well, Tim Hudak was proposing that what we should do is upload the entire TTC to the province. Uh, does that make sense to you, Jerry? Well, (laughs) I don't know. Like, you know, in the end, I pay taxes. Like, I'd like them to just get their act together.
2: And I I was looking at the number of people that they say will ride the Eglinton Crosstown. And uh, it's it's pretty ambitious, I think. But I multiplied that out by a full day and then by a year and thought, you know, all the money they say they needed, like another 75 cents a ride and they'd have the money.
1: What's wrong with that idea? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's already fairly prohibitive for some people with restricted income. Oh, come on. It's uh, uh, Why should the people who don't ride
2: have to constantly uh, pay for somebody else? Okay. Like uh, You've been around this horn before. Okay, but we're trying to solve a financial problem here, and I'm uh, proposing a user fee, and you're going, no, no. Why should the user pay?
1: The user pays more as a percentage of the fare in Toronto than any other jurisdiction. Well, then maybe Toronto should get
2: their act together and, uh, and worry about what their expenses might be. Maybe, maybe they're overspending on
1: how they run the operations. Okay. Let's have we take taken a
2: look at look that?
1: Yeah. Well, they're too busy trying to fire <laughs> the CEO. Uh, Toronto should ban right turns on red. Deb Hutton, uh, what say you?
0: So I don't understand when we have a problem why the answer is, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. If we have a problem with people doing a rolling stop on reds, then fix that problem. I, if you actually stop and look and it's free as I find it is many, many times throughout the day. I don't understand why we would change it.
1: Okay, Kevin Vong, the idea of a red and red is speed up traffic and uh, waste less fuel, cause less pollution, but the price seems to be an uptick in the number of pedestrians who get run over.
3: See, John, I agree with Deb here, and, and I think what we're missing is a lack of enforcement. I think it's an issue that the city faces on, on a litany of, of different issues. But if you know some some of the really left leaning counselors want to try this out, please don't pilot it. It's a, you know do it all like across the entire city. It'll actually be worse if we do it in some areas and not. Um, and and it really is about safety. Let's really just start
1: enforcing the rules that we have. Oh, but we pilot everything, don't we,
2: Jerry? Well, one of the things we could start enforcing is pedestrians following the pedestrian laws. I mean, when the red hand comes up, don't enter the intersection. And part of the problem we have is people darting out into the intersection. So it's
1: not like the pedestrians are totally blameless in this whole scenario. We talked earlier this morning with a guy who's with an organization that calculates annually what you'd have to make per hour in order to live in a given region of Ontario. And for Toronto, it's $25.05 an hour. Uh, Kevin Vaughn, I'll start with you. The minimum wage, of course, is actually, what, uh, $16.55, I think?
3: Yeah, and and there's quite a bit of a gap, right? And so, on the one hand, you know, we want to look at raising the minimum wage, but that puts real pressure on local small businesses that, frankly, are already still struggling to survive. Um, And so, I think the other way I looked at it and, and this more aligns with kind of our area at, at federal level is how do we decrease costs for Canadians and yesterday in the House of Commons there was a vote um, to to remove the, the carbon tax and, and I will tell you I was the only Toronto MP to, to vote for it um, because I know how it's driving up costs in terms of food inflation. And ultimately inflation writ large which drives up interest rates making housing more unaffordable um, so people can't buy and so people have to rent and rent is at record highs as well
1: so you voted with the conservatives and the ndp on that one which was defeated ultimately but
3: yes um you know it was quite a thing to see you know the liberals and and the party that you know whose mission is to dismantle canada um vote together in a coalition
2: to to keep prices up in case you're wondering, if you're listening, and I'm sure Kevin Vong is an independent. Yes. All right. And we got screwed by the Bloc, who has no skin in the game. How
1: so? Well, they don't have, the carbon tax doesn't apply to them. Oh, yeah. But Quebec has its own carbon tax. But you're right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's certainly political bedfellows. I mean, the NDP are supposed to be working with the liberals. They're voting against the liberals. The Bloc are supposed to hate the feds, but they voted with the sitting government. And uh, there we are. Uh, Deb, back to $25.05 an hour as a living wage in Toronto. And actually, we should get our terms out here. Um, They add up sort of a basket of goods, if we can put it that way. You have to be able to pay for shelter, either rent or own, Uh, food and transportation, a modest vacation, and, quote, opportunities to engage in local culture and community. I'm not sure if that's a Mervish show, but it's maybe a gym membership. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so here's here's Deb coming in as the hard ass on this topic. <laughs> the way we're talking about this as though the minimum wage has to move to $25. Nobody says it, but that's how people are hearing it and that's sort of how many people are talking about it. Keep in mind that the $25 is all of the income you bring in. And many people working on a minimum wage will have other government supplements. So let's just not think that we have a, whatever it is, $9 gap in minimum wage, and that needs to be fixed. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I like a guaranteed annual income in its pure form, which will never happen in this country, by the way. It will be a worse form than what we've got now. Guaranteed annual income is a conservative idea because you get rid of all of the supplements. You get rid of all of the top-ups. You get rid of all of the things that we give families and you have a single, uh, obvious, identifiable, guaranteed annual income. But what will happen, what happened in the pilot project in Ontario on this one was, oh, no, no, you get to keep your child care benefit. You get to keep your rental supplement. You get to keep whatever else you get, and you get a guaranteed annual income. So I just, I don't like this survey uh, or this this study that is done every year, because I think it is really quite disingenuous in giving a picture of what people are facing.
2: Yeah, it's disingenuous on another level. I don't find these kinds of things interesting, because what matters is household income, and the vast majority of people who are in minimum wage live in a house that has other income coming in. And so, they may be young people, or it might be somebody who's working part-time on minimum wage while another person is actually bringing in a decent salary. So, what we should talk about, I think, much more realistically, is household
1: income. There's a backlash in portions of the legal community um, in support of Toronto Metropolitan University law students. Kevin Vong, the statement made by those law students was beyond strident. I'm not sure why people feel that they are somehow being victimized.
3: yeah i agree with you john this is an important reminder that freedom of speech does not mean free from consequences you're free to morally equivocate and try to make excuses for the unspeakable atrocities committed by a listed terrorist organization but don't be surprised if your employers act to protect your their workplace from your ignorance and frankly i think the students knew because if you looked at the initial kind of signatories. They signed it with like anonymously, right? Like, oh, I'm a student from 1L or 2L or whatever. They didn't write their name to it. And I think they know why.
1: These 74 students published a letter declaring unequivocal support for Palestinians and all forms of Palestinian resistance. They went on to say, Israel is not a country. It is a brand of a settler colony. And these students are now paying the price, Jerry. Some of them are having their articling offers rescinded.
2: Okay, and uh, too bad for them. I mean, why don't they just change the name of their organization to the Friends of Paul Bernardo? I mean, it's unbelievable that uh, that they would sign the letter that they signed and then that at least 440 lawyers in Canada want to stand up for them. It's, it's being for mass murder. It's being for terrorism. The brutalization of children. What the hell is wrong with these people? Is, is it their moral uh, compass has gone wrong? Or are we seeing just how virulent anti-Semitism is in this country.
1: Deb Hutton?
0: I agree with everything my colleagues have said, including, most importantly, Jerry's last sort of query. And yes, I do believe that the original letter that that sent off this this back and forth is clearly anti-Semitism, clearly anti-Semitic. And I I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about Rosie demano's column, John, today. And I know you talked about it with Scott. Really yeah, a we're at,
1: out of time now, but yes, we will.
0: But the the one thing that Rosie said, which I want to actually repeat, is one action is deliberate murder that is October the 7th and the other is a horrific consequence of war and anybody who does not know that distinction in my view is just fundamentally wrong thanks
1: to you all Deb Hutton Jerry Igar Kevin Vong. catch the round table round one at 745 round 2 at 8:45 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 Toronto.